It's called a set rep. Uh, it's situational report. And you, most time you'll see it in a war movie. Uh, the commander will, will come up to the unit who's in a battle or under fire and he'll demand a sit rep. And the officer who's in command of that unit will give the higher ranking officer a sit rep. Here's where we are. Here's what happened. Here's the wounded we have. Here's what we're undergoing. Here's what we're experiencing. And here's what we're going to do next. It's, it's done in just a handful of minutes. It's a, it's a way that the military practices catching uh, a senior officer up on the situation so we can move and move quickly. Uh, police have picked this up. Uh, so if a sergeant or a captain walks into a situation, the officers on the scene can give that officer a sit rep. Here's what's going on. Here's where... Uh, uh, the perpetrator is, here's, here's the situation, here's what we're waiting on, and here's what we're going to do next. And they'll give all the, the officer who is now in charge all the information they need to make a proper situational decision based on the information that they have. Sit rep. So what would you say to Jesus if he asked you for a sit rep of your life? Here's where we are, here's how things are going, here's what we've encountered, here's what we're going to do next. How would you give Jesus a sit rep of your life? In Acts chapter four, Peter and John return from being put on trial by the religious leaders of the day in the Sanhedrin and they give the church a sit rep. Stand with me as we read their report to those early believers. And after Peter and John were released, they went to their own people and reported everything to the chief, that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. You said through your Holy Spirit by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against our Lord and his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do, to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats. Grant that your servants may speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders that are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Our world isn't any worse right now than it has been in the past. It's not harder now to be a believer in the 21st century than it was in the first. So we pray, Father, that we, like Peter and John, would be granted 
courage for this moment that we may leave here to preach your word with all boldness. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, here we are, exactly where Jesus told us we would be. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happens. Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are still preaching. In fact, they go to the temple and are confronted by a man who had been crippled all of his life. He asked for alms. Peter and John say, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we give to you freely in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. And the man stands up and walks. As you can imagine, having a man walk into your service that you have always known to be out front begging for alms caused quite a stir. And people wanted to know what happened. This gave Peter and John a chance to preach in the name of Jesus. They did. They were arrested. They were threatened by the Sanhedrin and said, don't do this again. Now, they left the courtroom of the Sanhedrin and they went back to church. They told the Sanhedrin, whether it is better to obey you or better to obey God, you'll have to decide that for yourselves. But for us, we can only tell you what we have seen and heard. And now they're back at church. They give a report. Here's what happened. Jesus promised that if we were faithful to him, that we would be arrested. Jesus promised that if we proclaimed the gospel in his name, we would be threatened and put in jail. We're here to tell you Jesus was telling you the truth. It's just like he said it would be. You know, sometimes we read the Bible and we read the passage where it says Jesus loves us and we love that passage and we say that's true. We read the passage where it says Jesus forgives us and we love that passage and we say it's true. We read the passage where he says you will suffer for my name and we say, well, surely that's hyperbole. Surely Jesus is overstating it. Surely that's not going to happen. Oh, yes, it will. Just like Jesus said it would. Don't be surprised when you're harassed. Don't be surprised when you're canceled. Don't be surprised when the world turns hostile to you. It's exactly the way Jesus said it would be. This past week in the newspaper, a member of the Board of Education of a city in Arizona went on record saying that she did not want her school district to hire any more Christian teachers. She considered them dangerous. She's right. Why is she right? Think of the passage. Why do the Gentiles rage? Why do the people make their futile plans? Because folks, there's only one king. 
There's only one Lord. And you and I go out and tell the world every week, there's one king, one Lord, and you aren't it. They, they don't like that. They don't like that. You, oh God, made the heavens and the earth. You, oh God, made the sea and everything in them. You, oh God. Now, here's an interesting question. Who is it that makes your world? Who is it that makes your world? I don't have time to preach that sermon right now, but that's a good one. Okay? Is it your corporation? Is it your job? Are these are the ones that tell you what you're worth, what your value is, what your identity is. Who is it that makes your world? The first thing that has to happen in worship is for you and I to remember there's God and God alone, and he is the one who makes our world. And we understand the world will threaten you. Jesus said, when you begin to follow me and the world recognizes you as one of mine, they're going to throw you in jail. They're going to drag you before the courts. And when they do, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Spirit will give you the words that you need. Some of you will lose your jobs because your corporation will put you to a point where you have to deny the truth of Jesus Christ and keep a job. It's already happening. Some of you will be attacked because of the faith that you proclaim. And when it happens, you will be exactly where Jesus promised we would be. And when that happens, consider their threats. Think about what they're saying. We'll drag you to court. And they will. We may put you in jail. And they will. But Jesus said, don't be afraid of the person who can take your life. Be afraid of the God who will take your soul. Amen. Consider their threats. They'll cancel you. So, well, well Mike, if you're not on social media, it's not like you don't, it's, it's like you don't exist at all. Okay, you've heard that, haven't you? You've heard the arguments about social media, about the power of Google, the power of Microsoft, the power of Meta, the power of Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, you don't have a platform. If you're not on social media, you might as well not exist at all. Folks, it's not in Twitter that I move and live and have my being. They'll cancel you, please. 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 
And the church prayed for boldness. The next chapter, Peter and John are arrested again. This time they're beaten and they leave the Sanhedrin praising God they were worthy to suffer for the name. Grateful the world recognized what team they were on. And then prayed for boldness. Pray, do you recognize that word? Do you know where that word comes from? I mean, and you know where else it's used? Hebrews 4, because we have such a great high priest, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Grant us the power to preach your name in boldness. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. The same confidence, the same strength, the same courage that allows you to approach the risen Christ is the same courage that allows you to take his gospel from that throne to the world in which we live. Same word. Same word. Consider their threats. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's get honest, okay? Are we bold? I'll ask you again. Are we bold? When we plan the worship services, y'all do know that we plan the sermon series a year out. So in just a few weeks, we'll go off and, re and retreat, all the pastors, and we will plan the worship services for, the, for, next, for 2024. Do you know what we have when we plan? We have our Bibles. We have our calendars, and we have schedules for all the football teams. <laughs> Let me say that again. When we plan our worship services, we have our Bibles, we have our calendars, and we have a schedule for all the football teams. Because if we know if certain teams are playing on certain days, you won't be here. Are we bold? Why not? Why not? Honestly, because we spend all of our time talking about how bad our world is. We'll get together and we'll talk about, can you believe that this politician said that? Can you believe that this legislative body voted on that? Can you believe this? The world just, Jesus is coming back just any time now. 
Some of you will get behind a car that has tagged 666. And you'll be all concerned that now Jesus is coming back. We'll spend more time talking about how bad the world is and precious little time talking about how great our Savior is. Folks, the purpose of our gathering together is not for us to agree on how bad the world is. It's for us to celebrate how good our God is. It's not for you to leave here crying about how messed up everything is. It's to run out of here with your hands over your head celebrating our Jesus is alive and our Jesus is still working and our Jesus is still here. Consider their threats. No, you are the God who made heaven and earth. We know who is in charge of this thing. Why do the Gentiles rage? Because there's only room for one king. That's why. Why aren't we bold? Because you spend more time looking at how bad the world is and precious little time about how good our God is. We didn't plan this morning's worship for you to walk out of here shaking your head going, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We planned this service so that you would leave here with your hands up in the air going, our Jesus is alive. So church, you know the words. We sang them earlier. Who walks on the water? Who speaks to the sea? Who stands in the fire next to me? who roars like a lion, who bled like a lamb, who holds my healing in his hands. Jesus, there's no other name like Jesus. There's no other name given to us under heaven by which we can be saved. There's nobody like Jesus. We don't care that you know how bad the world is. We want you leaving here knowing how great our God is. Stand with me, church, and sing with us again.